Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Yippity yo, here we go. We're heading into a new year. You know, there's something about a new year, it's a fresh start. Remember, you don't have to wait. His mercy's new every morning, so you can have a fresh start right now. Boom. That's why we call you the Boom Crew. Every once in a while, I'll boom the team here. Good morning, Boom Crew. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, I'm not surprised by this. When you got someone who is um, an advanced writing curricula person in an English department, they learn how to communicate. Yes. And then they realize, ruh we got communication problems out there on the streets. <laughs> Are you struggling with conversations? Small talk sometimes feels awkward and overwhelming, and then it goes deep, and that's not easier either. We've got a special guest, Heather Holloman, an associate teaching professor at Penn State, also of, uh, also author of a book we're featuring called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. So a free question to start us off here. By the way, welcome aboard, Heather. Good to have you with us this morning. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Is this why men grunt to one another and don't speak when we go out fishing? <laughs> wow. Um, I First of all, I love fishing, so there might be a woman on board. Okay, um, well, no, I, yeah, yes. I don't want to be sexist yes. on the fishing thing. I got a fisherwoman myself for a bride. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Men are different communicators, aren't we? Well, I do think that men have particular challenges because sometimes they just don't grow up in environments <laughs> that really value interpersonal You're connection. Right. So I, it's my husband's an introvert. He um, would probably say he was not good at conversation, but now he is thriving in that area. Mm. Mm, what made the difference? I got to know that. We can't leave that. All right. The difference is we started to figure out the mindsets that people need in order to enjoy a warm, loving connection. And we figured out the kinds of questions to ask in every area of what it means to be human. So you'll never get lost starting a conversation or continuing a conversation again. Have I, have I made you interested? Yes, yeah. you have. What? Okay. So let's start with the mindsets in the, in the book, you have uh, what you call four mindsets of a loving conversation. What are these mindsets? Well, the mindsets are absolutely critical. And and part of the, the joy that Ash and I have, my husband and I are in ministry. We love helping churches think about creating cultures of evangelism. I'm on campus. I care deeply about creating environments of belonging. And I realized people have lost the art of how to have a loving conversation. And so as I began to research the social science and also what the Bible says about loving connection, I discovered these four mindsets. So in any conversation... You have to be curious, believe the best, express concern, and share your life. And most people are very deficient in the first two. We've lost the art of interpersonal curiosity, meaning we're not curious about people. And we're approaching people with suspicion, judgment, and argument rather than believing the best about them. And we've also lost our sense of what a conversation is for. So a lot of my research talks about what are we actually doing when we have conversations with each other? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good question. <laughs> I, wa I want to go back. I've I've been watching a, a pretty exhaustive documentary on Anne Boleyn, who was the second wife of King Henry the Eighth, and I was so fascinated by something. And I only can conclude they didn't have social media. They had a lot of time to think. But the secret notes that we have documents of from Anne Boleyn, who, by the way, was beheaded by Henry VIII. He was a crazy man. But the, their 
communication was so thorough and nuanced and no, both in spoken language and in written. We we've got a lost art of communication in general, don't we, Heather? Well, we do. And so many factors are contributing to it. So social media means that you're expressing your opinion a lot of the time, but you're not having warm and loving connection. We've also created a climate of what's called the outrage industry, where students believe that communication is about outrage and argument. So what I discovered, if you want a warm and loving connection, which all the social science says is really the foundation for a happy life, it also helps your health and it helps your spiritual life. So it's very motivating to learn how to do this. And so what you're learning is conversation is really about encouragement, helping people grow, helping people marvel. And nobody knows how to do that. So I began to look at research and what the Bible says, okay, when you're with someone, your goal isn't to win an argument. Your goal is warm and loving connection. So always be thinking, how can I encourage this person? How can I help them grow in their goals? And how can I lead us to a state of worship or marvel? Can you imagine having Mm, conversations like that? Yeah, but here's the problem. Aren't people going to think you're weird? We don't even do that anymore. They will not think you're weird. In fact, you're going to have more friends than you know what to do with. So once I researched this book and began to put it into practice with my colleagues and even people that I would say are difficult to connect with, I started with my four mindsets and what the six pathways are, they represent the six dimensions of what it means to be human. So you can ask questions in one of six categories, the social, the physical, emotional, cognitive, volitional, and spiritual. And don't worry, it's very easy in the book. You'll understand what those are. And when you start asking people questions beyond how are you or asking about sports or the weather, what happens is they feel a warm connection. Their brain, it, they get a dopamine release. It's it's inherently pleasurable when people, when you're asking questions about them and when you're leading them through a warm and loving conversation. They're not going to think you're weird. They may think at first, like, oh, my gosh, why does this feel so good? So the first time I did this with a colleague, she said, I love having conversations with you. Will you please come back to my office next week? And so even at the hair, (laughs) even at the hairdresser last night, I had to get my hair cut. And the stylist said to me, I love talking to you. <laughs> and he said, please don't come back in a year. Can I schedule you in six weeks? He was trying to tell me, no, please come back. So this is going to be a game changer. And for students and young people listening, it is about professional development. When you learn the art of conversation and connecting with people, you're going to thrive in your workplace, on teams, you're going to get hired more. Hmm. You're going to really feel joy. You're going to build what's called social capital, which the research is showing we need this. And social connection, it really staves off things like, uh, they're even linking it to lower cholesterol. You're increasing your immune system. You're lowering your cortisol levels. Having a warm connection is not a joke. It is a game changer for your health and all of your social relationships. Hmm. Game changer for all of your social relationships. That's a big promise from our guest, Heather Holloman. We're talking about this book, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Uh, Coming up, let's ask Heather about the, there's a theology of a loving conversation. I mean, this is going to help you get friends. This is going to help you get jobs. How does this help with the gospel? We'll talk about that coming up. Helping you start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. 
Well, she's an associate teaching prof at Penn State, speaker, author, got a brand new book out. We're going to be telling you how to get a copy of this thing. Heather Holloman is her name. This woman is sharp, let me tell you. And if you want to sharpen up and maybe deepen conversations and really cut below the weeds and get down to the heart of things, not to get in the muck, but to really get into substance, you're at the right location right now. So what is the theology of a loving conversation? Does the Bible really uh, talk about how we talk to each other? Yes, Allie. And this is what made me so excited because as a researcher, you know, as someone studying the social science research, so kind of analyzing what social sciences are saying, my question was, well, as a Christian, I wanted to know, you know, what does the Bible say about all this research we're reading? And as I looked at the four mindsets and the goals that all the researchers were saying, I thought, okay, wait a second. I've heard this before. (laughs) So Philippians 2 really changed my life. And it's a beautiful passage, especially as someone with the gift of evangelism. And I love training other people. And my husband and I love coming to churches and helping create cultures of evangelism. When you live out Philippians 2, it says to value other people above yourselves, to take on their interest. If you reread Philippians 2 with the lens of how to bond with people, how to connect with them. It expresses the mindsets, you know, believe the best about people, honor them, be curious. How do you take on people's interests and bear their burdens? Like Mm -hmm. Galatians 6 says, if you never ask, what are your major stressors? How can I help? And also Romans 12. Some people push back and they say, no, I'm not going to believe the best. Like, especially think about the holiday table or, you know, people really nervous to connect with people of different political positions, or there's just a lot of, you know, argument in the culture right now. Well, Romans 12 talks about blessing those who persecute you and loving your enemies. So rather when I'm with someone who I know believes differently from me, or maybe has a position that I think is morally wrong, instead of condemning them, I say, I would love to know the story about how you arrived at that position. We have a warm and loving connection. You're able to create more social change. It's wonderful to live out Philippians 2, Romans 12, and then Galatians 6 about bearing one another's burdens. And the idea of like, what is a conversation for? I really look at passages that say things like, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for helping people, you know, helping people grow only what's helpful for people to encourage them according to their needs. Think about Hebrews, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And also the idea of always making music in your heart to the Lord leads to this idea of marveling. I love it. All right, let's get real practical, Heather, on something here. So a woman that's listening feels like, man, I want to have a deeper relationship with my husband, but he speaks little. And when we speak, we don't speak deeply. I want you to address that one first, and I'm going to give you two because you're sharp. You can handle two questions at one time. The other one is the flip side of a man wants to be the leading loving servant, but he's not a great conversationalist. Get us going in both of those conversations. Well, the good news is, and I'm in the the same situation. I've been married 23 years. I want to have a loving bond with my introverted husband who, who doesn't love you know to talk all day long. What we discovered about the six conversational pathways is you can really figure out what your partner loves to talk about. And you may simply be asking questions in the wrong category. So for example, the cognitive category, 
I love it when Ash asks me, Heather, what have you been thinking about today? I feel really <laughs> loved when he asks about my mind. But guess what? He hates it when I ask him that. He doesn't want me to ask him about his emotions or what he's thinking. I love but when Ash. I ask, I love yeah, Ash. but when I when I ask in the physical category, he loves talking about the things he's doing, projects around the house. He loves talking about his work systems, things that relate to the physical world. He loves even think about physical, the physical category is also about your body and things you're experiencing. So even asking your spouse, you know, how did you sleep last night? You know, engaging in a way that isn't quite as stressful as the emotional and cognitive category. Teens are the same way. If you're going to a holiday gathering and, and there are young people there, they don't they feel stressed out if you ask in the spiritual or cognitive or emotional category. They love it when you ask them things like, Oh my gosh, tell me about how you got your hair that way. What is your <laughs> what is your hair ritual? Or ask about, did you do anything new with your dorm room? They will go on and on and on. So, Carl, people are asking category, they're asking questions in the wrong categories. categories. I love that. Yes. How can this help us with the gospel? I think I want to land here because I, I yes. many of us were raised in a uh, in a church environment where sharing the gospel was important, but maybe we didn't have a lot of instructions. So, you know, you might go up to a perfect stranger and say, hey, do you want to hear about Jesus? Or you 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 yes. work with your classmate to try to work Jesus into the conversation. What's the best approach when it comes to pair what you're talking about in this book with how we eventually get to the gospel? Because that's our ultimate goal is to see people come to know the Lord. Yes. And the book Sex Conversations is really a companion book to our book on evangelism called Scent, because so many churches had that question like, okay, something's going wrong. This feels like a sales pitch. I don't like this. What I have found is when you are warmly connected with someone, you're enacting the four mindsets and the three fresh goals gospel conversations begin to flow naturally and they begin to flow in these ways that you're not going to believe how easy it is for you to talk about Jesus. For example, when I'm walking to school with my Hindu neighbor, I would just start sharing about my life. You know, that's one of the four mindsets. You have to share your life. And I would ask questions about, you know, what does your tradition say about Jesus? I would ask in the cognitive and spiritual categories. And one day I said to her, does it bother you that I talk so much about Jesus? And she said, no, I want to hear everything you have to say about him. She not only prayed to receive Christ, she led her family to the Lord, oh, her wow. two children and her husband. Wow. And I have colleagues that are obviously atheist. And at Penn State, you know, I'm probably, it's hard to find Christian professors, as you know. Yes. So when I'm sharing my life and really listening, and I've got that warm and loving connection, say, for example, I asked a colleague, you know, tell me your major stressors or what have you been thinking about? When they turn the question back to me, this happened on Monday. Someone said, well, what about you? What have you been thinking about? I said, well, I'm reading the book of Jeremiah. And this person is not a Christian. And I just said, and I'm learning about this idea of what it means to live in exile, because sometimes as a Christian, I feel like this is not my home. She loved it. She was fascinated. She was like, tell me more. That's great. Yeah, because I'm connected to her. Yes. And so a lot of people ask, Heather, you just have a special gift of evangelism. You, you, God just does this. Well, my husband, who's an introvert, who would say he doesn't have the gift of evangelism, just led our 85-year-old neighbor to the Lord. And they do discipleship every Friday because he learned how to have a loving conversation that, that led naturally to a gospel presentation. So cool. 
Heather, we love having you on here, sister, and we could go on forever, but we're going to put a comma here and let folks grab your book right now. Guys, it's called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting Again in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. You got that person around you, they're like duking it out with you. Maybe if you take a new pathway to conversation, (laughs) no, seriously, right? Yeah. Maybe you take a new pathway, that'll all dissipate. God's got a plan here, and Heather's put it in print, and it's awesome. You can find this at moodybooks.org, moodybooks.org. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carlin Crew Mornings. All right, guys, if you got a nickel in your hand, it's time for Coaching Monday. Okay. Settle down, the game ain't over. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Let's go, man. Fourth quarter, baby. We think about our life and, uh, you know, you really do a deep dive on your life. It's going to require you to look at sin. Now, I'm going to look at sin from two sides of the coin here. So if you got this coin and you got it in your hand here, I've got a nickel in my hand and I comes up heads here. Let's deal with the head side. Heads is the ability and the veracity for all of us. And it's one of the healthiest things that you can do as a person. And I promise you this, and I'm going to give you a flip side of this coin here in a moment. But to look at sin and own it, like I own this nickel in my okay. hand. And here's why. Sins of commission and sins of omission are things that we do in life. And when I see sins of commission, what do I mean, Young Thunder? Sins of commission. Uh, sins of commission are sins of, you know, an act that you commit, something that you do. Right. Uh, I got angry and I yelled at my spouse. I sinned by doing something. There you go. And act sins of omission, Allie? It is the things that we fail to do that we are called to do. Yeah. The things that we omit. Yeah. So we can sin by simply not doing something that God's told us to do. Yeah, big time. So, I mean, in, in owning that is powerful. Why is it important to own sin? Come on. Well, Let's. I think it's you can't repent unless you take responsibility for your actions. Understanding, yeah. hey, I did something wrong. Uh, and coming to God and asking for forgiveness, I think that you're not building a strong foundation in relationship with God if you're not doing that. Yeah, and it's interesting because I want to be really theologically accurate here. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who ends clean hands and a pure heart. Now, in the new covenant, we are declared righteous. But that declaration, declaration of righteousness that we have because of the shed blood of Jesus uh, don't let that obfuscate our calling to walk uprightly with God. So in 1 John 1, 9, what do we find? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What do we find in James 5? Confess your sins to one another. The coming to grips with sin in our life is a powerful, powerful thing. It just is. And By the way, I committed a whole chapter in the seven resolutions to killing sin because I think sometimes what we do with our sin is we push it into the shadows. We all do push it into the shadows and keep it at bay. This is so big because getting to the point where you will acknowledge without equivocating at all that I have sin in my life, that is... That's a grace. It takes the grace of God to do that because you, it's so easy to say, well, you know, I'm not perfect, but yeah, 
But I mean, there's I'm, I'm, I'm better than most or I certainly, you know, I follow all the laws. It's so easy to, to put a but at the end of that sentence. It is. It's easy to equivocate on this stuff mm-hmm. and go mm, and, and hedge. The, the, the strongest among us are people and boom crew coaching Monday here. Own it. Own it. Just like I got this nickel in my hand on the head side of this coin is this is sin that we commit that hurts other people, either sins of commission or sins of omission. And owning it is critical. Coming up here in a minute and a half, I want to hit the flip side of this coin. So this is doesn't negate this. This coin is sin, represents sin, right? But that's what this represents here. And I'm not talking about the love of money. I'm using this coin as an object lesson. One side, the head side is, oh, got to face this guy right here. I have sin in my life and I need to own it. On the flip side, this is the side of sin that we often ignore to our peril. What is that? Hang on. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, so I'm doing a little object lesson on Coaching Monday here, um, and this will set us up for the full week of fruit flies. In fact, I want to go back to this time and again, but sometimes fruit flies are those distracting, crazy things that keep us from enjoying the fruit or even bearing the fruit that God wants us to have. So we find sometimes the fruit, have you ever noticed how fruit flies can cause us to not even consume the fruit? Yes. Because it's like, ugh. Gross. Absolutely. And and it starts to rot, man. It just sits there and rots. God has so much more for us. But if this coin that I have in my hand or a coin that you have in your car at home, maybe you have it in your hand, if the head side represents sin that we do, which is sins of commission and omission, you flip that bad boy over and the other side represents the sin and the pain that's been foisted on us. Sins of commission and omission. And here's what I want uh, to share with you in very bold and strident terms until we understand and mine down through the weeds of our pain and deal with the origins of sin that have caused great hurt and pain in our life. We're destined to mask this in so many different ways. We talk about it around here a lot, but you can think of this guys. Some people are just hopeless peacekeepers. And by the way, Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. Peacekeepers, it's like, hey, everybody, come on now. Let's not have any problems here. It's like, uh, let's. And sometimes people that are functioning out of their pain undealt with, where they haven't let God go to the core of this thing, find themselves on this peacekeeper treadmill, right? Right. Some of us find ourselves being... um, We try to find something to consume. In fact, some people go out on purchases or become hoarders because we're actually, that becomes a friend to us where we're trying to bury the pain of our life under the pile of purchases or just stuff that Mm -hmm. we collect. Would you put like a... a addiction type issues in this category too? Addiction is another big category where it's like we're trying to pop it, smoke it, eat it, you name it. We're trying to do it, something to medicate that pain. Sure. There's a lot of things that we do to try to deal with it. Uh, Coming up here in the next half hour, I want to begin this half hour with a story of someone that I talked with, a pastoral conversation I had with someone that we I went through layer upon layer upon layer, and then boom, we got down to a pain point. Mm. 
And it's only when we get through these, and we all have them, but it's only when we remove the weeds and yes, even the fruit flies of our life and get down to those pain points, can we really understand the healing that God wants to give us? Suffice it to say, heads, tails, sin is real. Sin that we commit to others and sins that have been committed to us by commission and omission. Both are valid. Owning what you've done to others and owning what's been done to you are both critical. I'll prove it to you. What do we find in Scripture? What character do we find who had to deal with a big amount of pain? And because he did, well, Pharaoh looked at Joseph and said, the Spirit of God is on you. And that's why. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, we're talking about the, the power of digging deep into the pain in our life. And I think I was even new, young in Christ. I was of the mindset. It's like, ah, let's suck it up, dust it off. God's alive. He's at work. Mm-hmm. You know, let the past be the past. And there is a time to not rehearse pain any longer. But that's only when God has visited you there. This is one of the most amazing stories, the story of Joseph, and it's expansive. But in chapter 45, we find Joseph about to do the big reveal to his brothers. This is in Genesis. Genesis chapter 45. And he's about to do the big reveal to his brothers. Now, his brothers don't even recognize him. Last they saw him when he was 17. Now, a lot of years have gone by his face probably changed. And by the way, he's probably clean shaven now and probably had a beard when he left home. So he's all scrubbed up, looking great in second in command. So the dream that he had given Pharaoh is now being fulfilled. So not only did he spend 12 years in prison, probably one year in Potiphar's house, 12 years in prison. Now we've got gone through seven years of bounty and two years of famine. So he's much older when these brothers had Hmm. seen him. Yeah. So he's he's about to do the big reveal. Now, this is important to note. You're going to notice if you read Genesis 45 that he puts his head on the neck of his brothers and he weeps. Don't ever put your neck head on the neck of a brother who hasn't repented. I'm just throwing this in for free. You can find peace with God, by the way, through the pain of life. But that full embrace of his brothers was only because he had seen that these guys were broken and changed men and that the famine had done that. But this, but the story goes, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried second in command, make everyone get out of here. <laughs> so no one stuck around and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians the household of Pharaoh heard it. So imagine this. He's in there wailing. Yeah. So all this pain of all these years are coming out, but it's a pain of, it's a pain of glorification of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's not bitter. How do I know this? Four times between verse four and 14, he says these words, and this is where he first begins it. And now do not be distressed. So he's already reveals himself to his brothers. In fact, he says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Well, these guys aren't hearing, is my father still alive? They're processing, I am Joseph. You know <laughs> oh, what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. They're like. Stuck on yeah. the first thing. Oh, what? You're Joseph? <laughs> and now they're looking at facial structure and they're listening to, and they're going, they can't even process the second part of the question here. And then he says, come near to me. 
And they came near to him. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Mm-hmm. Four times, Joseph said, God sent me here. Let me give you the point from Joseph's life that's so important and how it applies to you. We live in a sin racked world that is so stinking broken. We all have inflicted harm on others either through sins of commission or omission, those we got to own. But we've had pain inflicted on us because of sins of commission and omission. It's happened. Joseph did something that many Christians today don't do. What was that? He let God minister to the pain of that moment. You know what he did? He obviously took this thing to God and said, God, I'm aching. But he let God leverage the pain of his life into something great. Could have Joseph, could this story have gone on that Joseph was so furious that he just had his brother slain? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But he didn't. As a matter of fact, he was so at peace with the fact that what God meant for evil, that's what we find in Genesis five chapters later, Genesis 50, verse 20, what God, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Only a man who has come to the point where he says, I have recognized the pain. I've invited God into the pain. And then we get to look at Joseph's story and go, God's in the business of redeeming pain. I am convinced the reason this story is here is because there's a lot of pain that you're facing today that you need to look back at and go, God, would you show me how you want to redeem this? By the way, as a pastor, I can tell you this with absolute authority. There is no pain that we go through ever in our life that can't be leveraged for the glory of God and the good of mankind. I, I heard it said many years ago, and I thought, this is so profound. Deep pain equals deep ministry. Yeah. And I want to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. It is true. I am not asking you to suck it up and move on. I'm asking you to bring the Father of lights back into that moment of pain. And we all have them. We all have them. I shared one yesterday at church. We all have them. Those moments where you have deep pain. And you bring God back there and go, God, you saw that. You were there. You you allowed that to happen. Now, how are you going to leverage this for your glory? And watch what God does. It's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. So we're talking in this Coaching Monday. I'm setting the deck here for uh, Fruit Flies Week. We're in Fruit Flies Week, if you're just new tuning in. Uh, fruit flies are the most annoying little boogers in the world. And you like, where did they come from? Did yeah, they where come do in they from come the from? outside? Did they just appear? How do fruit flies show up? I don't know. We've got articles here. We've got a big one here, how to get rid of fruit flies how, once and for all. They, where do they come from? And that's a recent article, September 18, 2022. Then we've got a full uh, cooperative extension service, University of Kentucky Call of, College of Agriculture study here on biology and behavior, that that might have some of the stuff in it. This is very fine print, teeny fonts. Prevention and eradication. (laughs) The big one is cider, apple cider vinegar, and a slice of banana put in the bottom of a cup with a little funnel, and those bad boys just go in there and never come out. So there you go. Ways to get rid of fruit flies. There you go. 
Spiritually, though, we got fruit flies in our life. And what those things are generally is undealt with stuff, right? It can be sins that we have that we commit, but it can also be things that have been committed to us, sins that have hurt us, both sins of commission and sins of omission. I want to take you to a conversation that I had with a really cool brother. And I'm talking with this guy, and I'm going to veil this. No one would ever guess who this person is because I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. But he just shared with me, he says, oh, man, I am aching. I said, what's going on? He's going, I, I'm in a living situation where I'm, I'm living, I'm some, helping my mom get through some tough things in her life. Uh, but I've got, I'm on the outs with my siblings. And I said, well, what's going on? Where's your mom at? He's really in late stage care. And I said, well, what's happening with your, uh, the, the home and who's getting that? Do you understand her will and all this stuff? Because he's got some financial challenges. He says, I, I don't even know, and I don't want to ask. I mean, we're just at odds. I'm going, oh, I'm sorry, man. I said, are you carrying debt because you seem like you're struggling? And he says, I am. I said, do you know what interest you're paying on these cards? And he said, I don't. Hmm. I said, why? He said, I'm afraid to open the envelopes. He says, I just pay the minimum payments. I don't even look at what the interest rate is. So I knew right then, whoa, let's go a little bit deeper here. I said, why do you feel so beat down, so afraid? What's going on in your life? He says, well, you know, I've gone through a couple of marriages. And he said, I, I did plenty wrong, but man, I was just beat up in these marriages too. He says, I own what I can own and I screwed up plenty. But Carl, he said, Pastor Carl, he said, I, I married two women back to back that just berated me, my manhood, oh, wow. everything about me. Hmm. And he kept saying, now, now, I don't hear me. He says, I had plenty to do with those marriages failing, but it, I was beat up. I said, let's go back a little bit further. So now I'm going down deeper. I said, why in the world did you pick a couple of women that beat you up? And he said, you know, I, I, I don't know. I said, well, let, let's go back a little bit here. What's, what's going on? I said, did you get counsel? Did you talk to anyone? He goes, you know, the truth is I didn't just want a woman that was going to kind of lead me. I wanted a woman that was going to control me. And I think it's probably related to something early on in my life. And I said, well, I want you to take me there. Tell me about it. And he took me back to when he was 10, 11 years old. And his mom and dad had been fighting viciously. And his mom spun around on her heels and shouted at him as a young boy. And she said, you are going to be a passive loser husband just like your dad is to me. Mm. I said, what'd that do to his young boy? He said, Carl, I, I felt like I lost everything about me as a man of what I was in that moment as going through adolescence, entering into it, and everything I would be. He said, I don't know that I've ever fully recovered from that. Wow. And I said, brother, this is where we want to bring Jesus. We want to bring Jesus right to that point right there. You know, I'm not going to take you any further this morning, Boom Crew, about where we went, except to say that 
I believe this from the bottom of my heart. A lot of our behaviors are related to one of two things, either the sin that we've committed, never owned, kind of like two sides of a coin. One side is that. Sins that we've committed, never owned, those are disabling. And sins that have been committed to us and we've never owned those as well, deeply, and brought the Father of lights into that situation. So we're going to be talking this week about how to bring healing to those kind of things in our life. But I want you to know one of the most courageous things you can do. This is Broom Crew approved, by the way. Bring Jesus into the pain points of your life. Bring him there. Pull back the weeds. Dig a little deeper. The issue is almost never the issue, guys. Bring Jesus into those pain points. And awesome stuff is going to happen. I'm sorry if I brought up some pain for some of you. But it's one of the best things we can possibly do. And we're going to be talking about this all week long. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. A couple questions for my friend Carl. Do you own any of these items? Oh boy, here we go. I'm Do you hit own cold. any <laughs> Sharpies? Is your Sharpie collection in good shape? Oh yeah. Dry erase markers. Oh yeah. Clipboards. Uh-huh. Oh, where are we going here? Oh, I know. So far, I'm I yes know. all the way Are down. you yes on the clipboards? Yes. What about whistles? Whistles? I have two whistles. Well, really? Okay, you're going to need more. Carl, if you're going to be a coach, oh, these are oh, the common oh, things oh, 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 that a coach needs. I am married to a coach. Yes, you so are. So we have so many clipboards, so do, many Grace. whistles. I find my son with dry erase markers drawing up plays before he goes to bed. A coach needs supplies. Does he really? He does. My That's son so is a coach's cool. kid who draws up plays to oh. relax before bed. That if you're going to be that. a coach, you got to have the coach's arsenal. I think I've got what I need here, but I might need a couple more whistles. <laughs> whistles. Carl's going to be doing some coaching, and it's available to you in the new year. He's not coaching a sport. He's coaching in something more important. Coaching, what would you call this? Coaching through what? You know, that's very interesting. I would say this is coaching people in the art of learning to stay in the power band with God so that things that have been kicking our tail for years, you know, coaches, this is, I'm I'm pumped that you're talking about this because a good coach helps people actually break bad habits, whether it's as a team or as individuals, Mm -hmm. break bad habits, get good habits. A coach doesn't teach people to win necessarily. No. A coach teaches people to have good habits that lead to wins. Mm-hmm. This is such a good metaphor here. <laughs> Man, glad you went after it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, my goal is to help point people back to God so that they can tap into his power, get victory over stuff, bad habits, quite frankly. And a lot of you set resolutions when you come into the new year. I'm going to save you some time. Don't do it. Uh, classic resolutions as we know it are deadly. And you might say, if you're astute, going, hold it, didn't you write the seven resolutions? <laughs> uh-huh. um, but those are agreements with God that you're going to tap into his power and that you're agreeing that, God, I'm surrendering this area of my life to you so that we can get something course corrected here. Mm -hmm. And boy, the upside potential is huge. So the book, uh, The Seven Resolutions, it comes out of that. It's going to be customized coaching that's going to be available for a small group of people. There's two webinars that will get you the information so you can decide, hey, is this for me or not? Do I want to sign on for this? Uh, They're going to be on December 29th, which is a Thursday night, and December 30th. 31st. 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 Saturday morning. Saturday morning. So if you want the details on that, you can check out the coaching options. Just text the word seven 
to 312-274-9624. Be a part of one of the webinars. You'll get the details you need. Just text the word 7, S-E-V-E-N. Spell it out to 312-274-9624. Going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Dr. Mark Job joining us right now, 10th president of the Moody Bible Institute, also host of Bold Steps, which you hear weekdays at one o'clock right here on Moody Radio. You know, Mark, we've talked about this kind of offline a couple of times, but we live in a culture today that it's like Christ followers can go this way or that. It's kind of the why in the road. We see a post-Christian culture. We see morality slippage in ways that are, it's astonishing. But it's like some are heading to the Midwest kind of bunker syndrome. Some are saying, no, let's get to the front lines. What do you say, Mark? Yeah, we have not seen this much acceleration in change and division probably in our lifetime. No, I think you're right. And Not and even I close, Mark, right? No, not even no, close. no. I mean, I, I people deconstructing their Christianity, people that are just really struggling with their faith and determining whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. I, I believe we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. Yeah. And I believe that more than ever before, we have to refocus on re-evangelizing our country, especially uh, Generation Alpha. That's the, some people are saying it's the first post-Christian generation in this nation. And then we also need to continue to accelerate our focus on the nations. You know, some people, when when we see the world going like it's going, uh, there's uh, a lot of chaos, war in Europe, inflation, recession, political tension mounting, a lot of fear. Some people want to run to the mountains of Montana, build a bunker, fill it with water, (laughs) get some cans of food, and just hunker down to the rapture. And I get that feeling that you may have, but that is opposite of what God has called us to do. Actually, this is a time to pull out the light, to be salt in this generation, to be more bold, audacious, gracious, gracious, loving, intentional about the gospel than ever before. Dr. Job, so as we move towards the uh, calendar year end, what is Moody Radio's role in all of what you just described? So yeah, we're in the end of the year 2022, and December is an important year for Moody Radio because like many ministries, this is a very, very important uh, month financially. A lot of people give year-end gifts And this is one of our our larger months, and we really depend on it to finish our calendar year well and enter into the next year well as well. So I want to challenge you, if you've been thinking about a year-end gift and God has been uh, putting on your heart to give somewhere, you know, I like to tell people, if you've been listening to 30 years to Moody Radio and you've been encouraged and it's blessed you and you've grown and you've never given a penny, we're glad you're listening. And I'm glad it's ministered to your heart and keep growing in Jesus. So I never want you to feel guilty for not giving. However, we operate, this is a big operation. Moody Radio is not a mom and pop shop. 
no, seriously. You're right about that. This is not just, you know, two people behind a mic. I mean, we have uh, staff all around the country. We have towers and offices and radio stations and engineers. We've been doing this for 100 years. We're the largest nonstop broadcasting Christian radio station, from what I understand, in the nation. And we're expanding more and more internationally. Starting in January, we'll be broadcasting to all of Nigeria, to Singapore and Malawi, that has the capacity of 200 million listeners. So we are accelerating, but we need your help. We need your help. And this is an important time of the year to give. And so if you've been thinking about giving, we would ask you to give before the end of the calendar year. In other words, before December 31st, it's important that your gift would come in at that time. Boom Crew, we know that you are unique in that if there are retreaters and they're take the hillers, you're a take the hiller. That's what you are. That's what you are, Boom Crew. And we love you for it. Your generosity is off the chain. And yet, your end is coming. I know you're busy. But if you could take some time right now to go to the phone or go online, let me give you two portals that you can give. 800-600-9624. That's the phone number. 800-600-9624. But we can also have you go to the good old Carl and Crew website. Yep, carlandcrew.org. Go to carlandcrew.org if you want to make a year-end gift. Again, that number, 800-600-9624 or carlandcrew.org. Mark, thank you, my friend, for being with us. And this is right on because this, this isn't about keeping a station going. This is about keeping the gospel on the front lines of a culture that's in decline. And we carry the hope, the message for the hope of our nation and for our city, Mark. Absolutely. And let me just say this. What I love about the Boom Crew program in the morning, Carl and Crew, is that I hear the gospel intertwined over and over in this programming. And so I know that there are so many people that listen that would echo what I say. Thank you for continuing to weave the gospel into the gospel stories and the gospel message into this over and over. And, you know, some of the listeners know, hey, this team gets up early in the morning, and I'm sure there's days, Allie, where you don't feel like being an encouragement. (laughs) Um, but, But you do it anyways, and you minister and you encourage people. So on behalf of a lot of people at the end of the year, you hear an applause coming out like this. So thank you again for what you do. And those of you that are listening to this morning program, this is a great time to support this program and this radio station. Good word. All right, Boom Crew, 800-600-9624. As the Spirit of God leads you, make a move. 800-600-9624 or online. At carlandcrew.org. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.